All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios, like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else, from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, everybody. It's Manoush here. Uh, Just want to let you know, we have bleeped out the F word in this upcoming interview, but we left in the SH word. Marina Abramovich uses it a couple times, but she says it in this like delightful Eastern European accent. We just we couldn't bear to take it out. So if you're listening with your family and this is a problem for you, totally understand. But you know what? Actually, it's just part of the whole atmosphere of this episode. Enjoy. Okay, my name is Marina Abramovich and the title of the book Walking through the walls. <laughs> no, okay, no, I will say normal. No, this we're not recording now. No, not yet. Or we start. Let's start. It's Note to Self, the tech show about being human. I'm Manoush Samarodi. And yes, the woman behind that thick Slavic accent is Marina Abramovich. She is turning 70 this November, and right now Marina is perhaps the most famous performance artist in the world. As you heard, her new memoir is called Walking Through Walls, and she thinks our over-caffeinated, hyper-productive society needs her more than ever. I think that right now the function of an artist is very important. You know, before you can be bohemian and kind of sit around and, you know, drink to death and have fun with friends. Now we have more responsibility. In the 70s and 80s, Marina became known for her intensely physical works, where she did things like use a knife to carve a star into her stomach and lay on blocks of ice, or meet her lover halfway down the Great Wall of China for a final goodbye before they broke up. She was always about pushing herself to the limits, emotionally and physically. But now, Marina thinks, we, all of us, are pushing ourselves to the limits in everyday life. Our phones tell us where our bodies need to be next and the fastest way to get there. Meanwhile, we mentally keep track of our audience's likes and comments on whichever virtual self we display that day on Instagram, Facebook, or Snapchat. Many of us have become nearly as performative as Marina Abramovich. And so in response... She has changed the nature of her work. It's more about us now and ways that we can restore our overtaxed systems. Last year, she had hundreds of New Yorkers lock up their phones and watches and then sit in silence with noise-canceling headphones on for half an hour to prepare and clear their senses before listening to a concert of Bach's Goldberg Variations. Producer Jen Point and I went to experience Goldberg. And for me, at different points, I was reminded of my son's birth, of my brother's death. Wow, Jen. (laughs) 
the title we gave that episode was actually Marina Abramovich's Method Blew Our Minds. And we've re-released it as a bonus this week, so you can experience it too. Anyway, Marina's new book is very fun. It's a very dramatic read. But when she came in for a visit, I wanted to focus less on her childhood in communist Serbia and more on the ideas and suggestions that she has for you, things that we can actually do to help us get a better grip on this hectic world, on our technology, and help us understand ourselves. This is a woman who, as you'll hear, laments having two cell phones, but would also go to Mars tomorrow if Elon Musk figured out how. And I gotta say, just hanging out with Marina Abramovich is a trip in itself. I want to read you a quote that I, something I read from you. You said, you have to trust intuition. You have to trust this gut feeling that we are completely f***ed up with technology. And then you are kind of back into simplicity. Is it harder to find simplicity now? We never stop looking at the emails. We never stop texting messages. We never stop looking at the phones. But we are the owner of ourselves. We have to say stop. If we just start simply of two hours a day not looking at the phone, that could be a good beginning, to understand what means having time for yourself. This is why my work now have more kind of resonance, because 20 years ago, there would be not even any kind of public. But now public is so tired to look at things. They wanted to experience something different. It's just what is happening now. What I love about you and how you're, I think you're so different, too, is that you want to give people tools Tools, so yeah. can we talk more about that? So as an artist, what I discover, I actually create something called Abramovich Method, which through all my 50 years of career, I went through so many different research and the kind of training to come to that point that these tools are very simple, could actually work. And I just introduced rice counting, lentils and rice counting. Sounds so simple. You have the pile of lentils and rice counting and lentils, you divide them. It sounds torturous. And, and you just count them. And you know, if you really count them, the one handful rice and lentils can take six hours. You have to make decision. You're going to make small amount or you make the all. If you set yourself, you make the all. You have to stick to it. You have to stick to your decision. If you can't make counting the rice and lentils, you can't make through life either. And then through the process, you go through these incredible stages. First, you are kind of interesting and amused. Then you get to the angry. Then you go frustration. They say, what the hell am I doing? This is shit. I can do something else. When you go through the, all that things and finally say, but I'm going to do it. You're breathing change, you're completely getting calm, and on the end of that process, it's incredible what happened to you. You actually come back to presence and to complete another state of mind. Simple exercise. Slow motion will be another one, and so on and so on. Marina did her methodology a few months ago with museum visitors in Athens. So this is not just that artists can do, this is anybody can do this. We are talking 53,000 people came through Method. We're talking the Greece, which economical crisis, refugee crisis. We're talking in the Greece that the biggest Goya exhibition had only 20,000 people. Hmm. We attract 53,000 people. And the need of this kind of exercise was just What did incredible. you do with them exactly? You know, first you come in, you put your watch, your phone, a computer into locker. You go into the space. You've been taken by volunteers. We uh, into the space and explain each exercise. So the first one you will do slow motion walk. You walk maybe I don't know fifty meter of the room, three hours in slow motion 
absolutely slow motion. Then you have another exercise counting the rice, then gaze looking each other into the eyes, then lying on the just a stretch bed with the closed eyes and just being there together with the community, standing on the platform. Everybody had the headphones who block completely sound. So you had total silence still together with the people you never met in your life and you can feel your heart beating. So you completely kind of detox from the busy life from your phones from all the stress and you come into this calm state of mind and that after this you're guided to the other floor where you see a long durational work of different greek artists who are performing eight hours a day for two full months and people start coming and they're bringing their own friends and their own friends bringing their own friends people from islands from the families it becoming totally another community which is not necessarily art people were coming there to experience something which did experience before. Is it different than mindfulness, which is sort of sweeping the United States? It's, it's different because it's in art context, you know. Mm-hmm. Everything is about the context. If you make the bread in a bakery, you're a baker, but if you make the bread in the gallery of artists, the context changes everything. I also invite people to Beraki Museum, to Courtyard, to just come to stay still seven minutes and just holding hand on the shoulder of one or another. 3,000 people came for that. The need of people to be together, to be human, to kind of vibrate this energy of peace is so incredibly big right now, more than ever before. Can I ask you where privacy fits into this? We get a sense that we are signing away our lives. We're giving away all our personal information. We sign up for new things and we sign terms of service that we haven't even read. And there's a with the revelations about the NSA. There's a real big brother sense going on. And yet it also seems very far away. You were born in a communist country. Do you have a personal perspective on what privacy actually means? You know, in communist countries, not much privacy to tell you. In, uh, in my um, time of when I was a child, private life was not important. It was important why you're on this planet. What is your aim and what is your function here? So it was very important to, for me was to be an artist, to, you know, to communicate my work and ideas the best as I can and to kind of open consciousness of my audience. But how did you figure that out if you didn't have that private space, the solitude to go inside yourself and really think? Think had, about that. I had much more time than I have time here in America. First, I read the books. I was reading, I would take Dostoevsky and I read Dostoevsky for one month and don't go out of the house. Everything was provided by me. So I would just go to kitchen and eat and go back. Reality of the book was bigger reality than me, than reality of outside world. I write poetry. I went to listen to classic music. I was completely, I had my own world built in the parallel world what was there. And from that world that I built inside of me, I actually built this art world. But you know, yes, it's private. Everybody here is afraid of privacy. You're afraid of being alone with yourself. You're afraid of, of just reading the book. Nobody's doing any of this. When you, all you're on social media, or you're on Instagram, or you're running around, but it's all your own uh, will. You actually intrude your own privacy. But your own privacy is truly being alone, going to the desert, going to the waterfall, going to look into the volcanoes, being with nature. This is what I do. I never do vacations. I do research trips when I go and confront myself with this kind of elements. And that really ideas comes the best. But what we do with the privacy, we kind of trash it by shopping, by going around with the friends, by drinking. That's not the privacy. I'm talking about meaningful privacy. 
which is actually being in solitude. I wonder if you'd agree with me that I think there needs to be a connection between that privacy that you just described and the idea of societal privacy, that we can't begin to ask these companies and the government to be transparent if we can't understand why we need privacy, deep inner life privacy. This is again how to change consciousness of society, which is completely wrong right now. You know, and I just want to give one for our listeners, one simple exercise they can do at home right now. So if you feel that everybody feels sometimes wake up with a full of energy and you say, oh, my God, this is great to start the day. You know, you have your coffee and then what you're going to do? Maybe it's the weekend, you run out, you're going to do shopping or you're going to see the friends or you go to run in town, whatever you do or jogging. And you actually, on the end of the day, spend all this energy. But what if you do something different? You wake up with all this energy. You switch your telephone. You put your watch away. You don't open computer. You take a chair next to the window, very quiet. Sit on that chair and do absolutely nothing. What happened to that energy that you have? It's not going out of you. It's going inside of you. It's incredible beneficial exercise. You start thinking about the things you never have time to think. You get into this state of peacefulness that you don't have time otherwise. You're not spending it. You're actually gaining strength. That's a simple exercise that everybody can do. How long should they sit there for? Some of my listeners want to know exactly what to do. You have to sit the certain amount of time. Take three hours. That's the time. You know, you don't need to sit still. You can move on the chair, whatever. But just take three hours of your time that absolutely doing nothing. First hour, you are kind of restless. You rest. You know, you remember when you go to vacation and you wanted to rest and actually you're so active. You just could not switch off. And only after the second week, you start feeling yeah. it. It's, you know, you can't get results fast in, in 15 minutes. You, first hour is restlessness. Second hour, you start calming down. Third hour, it kicks out, really. Do you have a phone, Marina? I have two phones. <laughs> so I have an old BlackBerry and Samsung, who, but number six, not the one who explodes. Not explode. the one that's going to explode. But I have them, but you know, I, I'm not technological much. You know, I'm using the very minimal. In a minute, how the artist plans to deal with her final act, the life and death of Marina Abramovich. Stay with us. We're back. It's Note to Self. I'm Manoush Zamarodi, and I'm talking to renowned performance artist Marina Abramovich about our relationship to technology, to art, and to ourselves. She was telling me that she'd just been to her native Belgrade to have her entire body scanned, a 3D scan that could become a holographic avatar of her, a version that could live beyond Marina's physical body and bring her art to everyone. Like the time she sat for hundreds of hours just staring into the eyes of strangers at the Museum of Modern Art a few years ago. 
So in my mind, I'm picturing like an avatar of Marina and maybe I strap on my virtual reality headgear and I get a chance. I wasn't at MoMA. I didn't get to sit across from you and look into your eyes. If I did that with in a virtual reality game or with a hologram of you or an avatar. You can have a glimpse of this very much. because. But is you, it real? Yeah, you know that this is the whole thing about new technology, that the brain thing is real. You don't. The brain thing is real. That's the most unbelievable thing. I mean, we have this amazing um, video that I saw recently of the Afghanistan soldier who been badly burned with chemicals inside. They have the morphine, the all kinds of painkillers. He could not actually kill the pain. When he's in virtual reality space, he imagined that his body is filled with ice. And it's the only time in virtual space that he doesn't feel pain. You see, it's very interesting how that real, not real. Is but I, I guess is, what I'm struggling you know. with is you as an artist, what is always so powerful about your work is yes, but you're going it to is die. real. Yes, but you're going to die. Everybody died. I'm going to die. I am not doing this uh, when I'm alive. I'm there. But what if I die? How I can transport certain things into the avatar and actually be there in a certain way that still can function? So wait, is that what you're saying? That because... I mean, you're turning 70 yeah. in November, and this is your way of looking at the next chapter of your yes, art? Yes, exactly, the future. Beyond life. Yeah, beyond life, future. That's You have to think about future. I mean, you know, I always think about future. I always think what is next, and the technology is there, and why not use it? I guess what's in my mind is having been at Goldberg and experienced it in person, I was not in there. the flesh. You were there. You came out at the end, and you yeah, were this yeah, but I, magnanimous presence. The, no, 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 no. This performance was still great, and it was wonderful without me because, you know, I right now, I'm obstacle to my own work, my dear, because when I was now in Greece with these 53,000 people, i done some things while I was there, and done master classes, but the method itself, I could not be there. You know why? Because I become celebrity. People will come to me, mm. they want to have a photograph with me, they want to assign something, they want to hug me, and I actually interrupt their own experience by my presence. And this is a completely new thing that I have to deal with. And then I realize that actually I want them to experience because it's always something easy to get experience because somebody else is there. And you actually put your own work on the side. You have to do work, not me. Is you. I'm just giving you tools and giving you the instructions, and you have to do it. You know, there are two ways of going to the top of the mountain with a teacher who already been on the top, you know, guide, and you just go straight, or you have to find your own way. And I've been on this top of the mountain so many times, so I can just give you tools and come and be there. You don't need me to guide you. There are the tools to get there. Or I take your hand. But you see, I'm obstacle to my own work. That's what happened <laughs> right now. It's fascinating to me that you've become more famous and relevant and well-known because of some of the issues and problems of technology. And yet you're very much looking at how you can use technology in the, in the good way. I wanted to use in the best positive way that is not dangerous to, to human. So I'm just I feel like I need to ask you, Elon Musk, one of the things we might need to escape is this planet. He's trying to get us to Mars. Would you go? You know, one thing he said, which I really like, he said, I would like to die on Mars, but not from heart impact, just a natural <laughs> death. You know, I would if I can go to the spaceship and go out of our galaxy and never return. But no, just to have this experience, of course, I will do. It's so important. You know, you always have to go 
to places that nobody ever been. That's where you use risk. There you have to accept your failures or success. That's the places that are most interesting. Otherwise, you repeat yourself. Otherwise, you're in the pattern of the same behavior. Otherwise, you live a small life and you that 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 guard in privacy. Bullshit with all that. Let's go to places you've never been. Let's risk. Let's experience. Only when you really risk things, you know, you can fail or you can succeed. But you always bring you to the new level of consciousness. This is only worth it in this life. Life is given to us to experiment, to see what is behind. And not to take the already preconceptions of things before us. Marina Abramovich, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. Goodbye. This seems like the perfect moment to thank those of you who responded to our call out in the newsletter a few weeks ago. We asked you to volunteer to try something for the upcoming Note to Self book, which is also going to be called Bored and Brilliant. Dozens of you took the challenge, which included watching water come to a boil. It was very Marina Abramovich of you. So thank you for that. Maybe lentils will be next. Subscribe to the newsletter. I think we should do more of these experiments in it. Go to note to self radio at WNYC.org to sign up. If you decide to count lentils, we also want to know about it. Or actually, whatever you feel like telling us. We love getting notes and posts and comments. Email is at note to self at WNYC.org. We're also on Twitter and Facebook at note to self. This episode was produced with help from Rachel Neal. Many thanks to her. The Note to Self team is Jen Poyand, Jenna Cagle, and Joe Plord. Note to Self is a production of WNYC Studios. I'm Anoush Samarodi. Are you going to do the book, I the did, audiobook? Oh, I you did, did it already. 17 hours, 8 hours in the studio. Jesus. Because they didn't tell me I don't speak English. You know, they have the two, <laughs> they, they have the two, they have the two the moderators. <laughs> Every, I mean, you know, the, the, the editors, I would say chapter, I say chapter, chapter, chapter. Every word they mispronounce. But I like that, chapter. But anyway, we've we done, we done this whole thing.